So as I met with our Comfermans Tuesday and Thursday evenings this last week, and we were talking about, as, as Dr. J mentioned in the video, well, the, the many challenges that you all have faced for confirmation this year. As soon as you began confirmation, as we've heard, it began online and virtual because of the pandemic. And, and I know that, like many of us, we figured, well, we'll be able to uh, come to do something more normal after this has passed in just a few weeks. Well, since then, confirmation has been suspended twice, hasn't it? We have not found that day where things feel normal yet, have we? And then it felt that perhaps this Sunday, at least we could do it on the last day of the Christian year, Christ the King Sunday, Stewardship Sunday, Confirmation Sunday. It makes all the sense in the world to do that in one day. To do it on the same day that we remember our pledges for the coming year and all the ways that we serve and all the ways that you learn during your confirmation what it means to be the church and to be a disciple. Well, here we are again, right? And I'm as disappointed as anyone these days about best laid plans being kind of set to the side for a while. How often have we done that this year? Even so, it is Confirmation Sunday. And we all know it's not quite like what we would hope or expected or planned for. But as in your baptism to today, as we recall, God is still doing a good work. It is still a holy and sacred day. And I am thankful to be a part of this in a very unique way. Even so, to be honest with you, that we keep facing so many decisions that, well, make us grumble a little bit. Well, it wears after a while, doesn't it? I bet I'm not the only one to agree with that. Grumbling, well, grumbling because of this virus has become the norm for me at some days. And I grumble with how I see us, see us treat one another in the world these days. I grumble because I miss things as they used to be and as I want them to be and as they should be. And my soul grumbles because I've only met some of my church members virtually or online. And sometimes very little, even if more than that. Yeah, I've grumbled a little bit. And I think maybe a little bit of that grumbling I revealed on Thursday night when we were talking about confirmation. And I said something funny and lighthearted. say, hey, your virtual pastor says hello. <laughs> and it is funny. And it's, and it's unique. And it's, it's humorous. And I don't feel bad about that. But... Andrew Burrow immediately said in that, but we're glad we can have you virtual or not. And as soon as she said that, I realized I needed to hear that. I needed to know that even though if things aren't right, that some things are still good. I'm thankful that I can do what I can do at this time. Even so, that lighthearted moment it reminded me that there's a difference between scarcity and abundance. She helped me recognize that sometimes I don't have or get what I want, and there remains those things that I can still be thankful for. And how often do we allow fear or disappointment of not having some things, well, make us grumble. But at the expense of not perceiving the abundance of what we do have and can do. And right now, in the middle of this pandemic, it's understandable if we grumble some. 
And it can indeed make it difficult to see and appreciate what we can and do have. And I say all this because as I talk, as we read about today's story, it's a story of Israel grumbling. And because this story, I believe, is very relatable to what we all feel and experience these days. So if you're like me and if you've grumbled at any point in the last few months, maybe this story has some much-needed good news for us. You see, Israel... They've just been freed from a very, very difficult way of life. They have been oppressed and slaves in Egypt, and they had once been welcomed in Egypt, and they prospered, and they made, they made room for Egypt to thrive and to be part of the community, and Egypt was better because of them. But as Pharaohs came and went, they forgot this relationship, and no longer were they welcomed except that they could provide labor to benefit Egypt, but it oppressed Israel. And it went on for a very long time, but eventually God hears Israel grumbling. God hears them moaning and complaining and crying. And in the passage in the Bible says that their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant, and with Abraham, with Isaac, and Jacob, and God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. So God sends Moses to free them, and I wish we had time to delve into his story. I love his story. But he was born an Israelite, and he became an Egyptian. And that was because of God rescuing Moses from a very trying time in his own life as he was being born. And now we're on the other side of that dramatic escape. The people are grumbling again, though. This time they're grumbling from the wilderness because they no longer have a permanent place to be and they have run out of food. And it's scary when you don't have food to eat. It's scary when you have no place to go. And there does not seem to be any help coming. So they begin to grumble at Moses and at Aaron and they question whether they should have believed them in the first place and maybe they would have been better off staying back in Egypt as slaves. At least they knew they had boiling pots of meat. It doesn't sound very satisfying, does it? But at least it was going to be there and they knew it. Albeit, so they had the energy to do hard labor. So they begin to blame Moses. But not once do they mention God. And maybe they felt that Moses had been the wrong one to follow, as I've mentioned. It reminds me that we can do this at times. That we can look for people in the world to blame without going to God with our complaints. And now we must remember, before this, they had seen God do amazing things. They had seen pillars of fire There was this one instance where Moses was able to throw a stick into rancid water and make it clean again. They had seen some amazing things along the way, but somehow they had forgotten those things. Even though God had delivered them time and again, they felt and they were afraid that they might starve to death. Now, we might think that the point of this story is to wag our finger at Israel for not being faithful. And when we grumble, or for us, when we grumble that things aren't quite what they should be. And you might think that today, this is a message to hear said that sometimes these folks are not very faithful. 
Sometimes they were too difficult to work with. Well, the problem with that is they didn't have anything to eat. They weren't complaining with what they had. They didn't have it. They didn't have the proverbial boots to pull up on the bootstraps to put on. They didn't have it, and it didn't, they didn't know where it was coming from. They were afraid for a good reason. And once more, God's attitude towards them, it reveals that this is also not a day to wag a finger at them. God doesn't. God doesn't say one negative thing here. Not one. Towards anybody. Later on, sure, they will be dissatisfied and probably less thankful than they should be, but God does not wag a finger today, and nor should we. Not here, at least. Here, God's response is to provide them with what they need. Not once does God tell them that you shouldn't have put yourself in this position or, or maybe that they were being less than faithful. Instead, God says, say to them to come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling and while Aaron was speaking, the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert, and there they saw the glory of the Lord appearing on and in the clouds. And then it begins. In the mornings, God sends something called manna from the heavens, and it appears after the dew dries up and it's flakes on the grass, and it was something like bread, but we're not really sure. In fact, its name means, what is this? <laughs> The quail came flying in in the afternoon, and they had plenty to eat. Every day this happened, each day, and just enough to get them through that day. And the next day, just enough to get through that day. And it goes on and on. But I think this story reminds us that we have a daily walk with God. We have a God who is patient, who provides, who understands that in our in our worries. In fact, the scriptures tell us many times that when we cry out, God hears. God responds. God loves. Grumbling is not, it seems, anything like a lack of faith. Sometimes our grumbling is warranted. Sometimes it is valid. Many times it is. Yet, Yes, it will happen one day that they will grumble for the wrong reasons, and so will I. Sometimes we confuse inconvenience with need, and I get that, but not today. That's not today. Here the challenge is, it seems, is to know the difference and to trust that God hears us. But it also seems that we must look to God's glory in our time of waiting. So if you're with us today, and if you have been grumbling about the pandemic or any other struggles, let's offer ourselves some grace. Let's offer one another grace when things don't go our way and we complain a little bit. It's, it's okay. It's part of the human condition. What we're facing is hard at times. It isn't easy. The disappointments and the heartbreaks are mounting up each day. Yet take time each day to look for the manna that God provides you and me. Because it will get us through. The scriptures, I believe, are our manna. Take time each day to read your Bibles, to, to dive into scripture and let those words, let that good news well up into you. And let the Holy Spirit allow the scriptures to speak to you as it needs to. Also, take time every day, like gathering manna or quail, to, to show love 
for, for the sheer expression, for the, for the sheer purpose, rather, of, of tending to your soul and perhaps the soul of someone else. You may hear me quote from this book over the next couple of weeks, but I've been reading a book called Love is the Way by the Episcopal Bishop Michael Curry. And I've been reading it because when things get hard and we wonder what we need to do next, he reminds us to choose love. And he reminds us that love and faith are a little different. He says that while faith and hope are necessary for a full life, they're not a guide for life. They don't tell you what to do. That's love's job. Love tells you how to direct the energy of outrageous faith. And if faith and hope are the wind and the sails, then love is the rudder. It's God's GPS. Love feeds our souls like manna, expressing our love, helping our neighbor. That's what feeds our souls at such times. And it's what helps us endure. Be sure as well to take time to step away from the news. (laughs) Step away from your work. Give your time to step away from your worries ever so often. Just simply be reminded that God is there with you. Like manna, God sustains and, and God walks with us and listens to us. And whether we're shouting with joy or grumbling within, God loves you. Now we know, for as much as this story is about the miracle of manna and quail, I believe there is a part of this story that, that we hear but maybe give little thought to. There's another part of this story that, as I recall, I've never mentioned it if I've preached on this text, and nor have I heard a sermon focus on this, although I've not heard all sermons. But you see, before the manna and before the quail, and at the end of each day, they looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the clouds. Now, what is this about? I was curious. I don't know. I can't fully know what that meant, but I I cannot help but think that this is just as important. That somehow seeing God's glory out there is just as important as the manna and the quail. I don't know what they saw either. Was it like the sun through the clouds kind of thing? Was it an electrical storm in the clouds off at a distance? Did the clouds do something amazing and unnatural? I don't know. I cannot know, and I'll let you decide for yourself and use your imagination to to figure out what that might have looked like. But regardless, I think it was a sign that out ahead of us, that out there, there is this destination that we're moving towards. Because between this day here that we live and the fullness of God's kingdom that, that is out there that we can see but not yet have arrived to, there will be joys and struggles, heartbreaks and miracles between these two places. But on that horizon, when we see God's glory, we know where we're heading here. And there is a day coming that we will rest from our labors and we will set aside our struggles and there will be no more tears. The day is coming when we will be on this pandemic <laughs> The day is coming when we will be beyond, be beyond the struggles that we bring with us today and our worries that are with us today. And what a wonderful day that will be. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I never asked for that, but I need an amen. <laughs> I can't wait for that day. It's coming, but it's not here yet. But in the meantime, until then, we can be assured that God is reaching us right where we are. God has reached across that expanse and is right here in our midst, and we will endure. 
That is what Advent is for, that we begin next week, right? It's the reminder that in our waiting, in our longing, in our grumbling, in our cries, in our groanings, in our deepest desire that God has reached across the gap. God has found us where we are, and that is who Christ is. That is who Christ will be. And that is the faith for which we confirm these four young people today. So church, during these hard times, may we receive May we be the daily manna that God offers for each other, for these young persons, for the stranger, for the one who seeks help from us, for a world that is crying out, please know the world hears your cries. God knows where you are, and you are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen.